0: Again, this morning we're going to continue our way through the book of Revelation. Um, I said to you a number of weeks ago that we will not be able to, and I should have clarified and said I will not be able to explain every jot and tittle of this, every aspect of it. Truth of the matter is, um, I don't understand it all that well. But I also believe that things in Revelation are revealed as they approach. And as we see the days um, coming closer and closer and becoming more evident Uh, There are going to be more things that are revealed. At the same time, Jesus said, blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy and understands them. So we need to read the words of this prophecy and we need to understand them. We need to look at this picture. We talked briefly about the order of events to this point. I believe from Scripture that the next great event that's going to hit the church of Jesus Christ is the rapture or the taking away of the church. I believe that from what I see, um, it's the taking away of the church, and then the great tribulation will take place. Three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of literally hell on earth, and then we'll see the second coming of Jesus Christ with the binding of the devil and the thousand year millennial reign. I know some of you say, but well, that kind of sounds like a fairy tale. Well, it's in the book. Okay, And everything else so far has come true that's in the book. So we're going to go by the book. Um, some say, well, that seems escapist to say that the church is going to leave first. I believe there are reasons for it. We've talked about some of those. We'll talk some more about that. I want to point out that as we looked at last week, uh, heaven is filled with angels, lots and lots of And lots of angels. You'll read about 10,000 times 10,000 times 100,000. There's angels everywhere in heaven. We read a little bit about those last week. Um, Why are all these angels worshiping God? Why are all of them bowing down? Why is all this happening? It's because he's worthy of that, right? He's worthy of that praise. He's worthy. And we don't quite can't quite wrap our head around that. I, I feel like the Lord has given me some things here that I want to share with you. The Bible says that Jesus is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And personally, I've had this struggle going on lately where, where people have said to me and I've heard it said to others, well, you know, God's gonna honor you. God's gonna, God's just so thrilled with you. He's, just, he's gonna honor you. He's gonna bless you with that. And, and I'm okay with, with God's blessing, but I have to tell you, that god owes honor to no man the god of creation owes honor to none of us he alone is worthy of glory and honor he is i've had people tell me lately god's going to honor you i'm like i don't even want to be in that spot you know that's god is the one who is Worthy, and He alone—that's what Revelation's chapter five is all about. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. We'll get into. So, so one of the things about Revelation is you kind of have to read it from like six sides all at the same time in order to to kind of get it. So we're we're kind of going around some of that. I can tell you that in reading through revelations long about chapter six, we're going to touch on that today. That God has done something strange in my soul. He's He's caused me to take this. Deep introspective look, I actually thought about um yesterday, I was driving home we, my my son and I had went to a, a, a twins' game, and then Friday we spent some time in hibbing and then uh yesterday uh we spent we went to a funeral of a of a young friend of of jared's um she's his age thirty some years old, and so um a schoolmate, so all the way home, I was just kind of in this contemplation mode and thinking about. The Lord and not really didn't even have my sermon laid out yet when I got home yesterday afternoon and then started looking at the damage from the trees down and and trying to get the generator running and trying to get some power and, and so all these things and it just became a point where I felt like the Lord just just gave me some reassurance and some peace and said just hang on you know when you when you sit down this will this will come to you. Billy Graham wrote in his book Storm Warning. Horses are among the most beautiful and intelligent animals in all of God's creation. But the four horses and the riders in John's vision are anything but beautiful. They are terrible and terrifying. In my view, he says, they are shadows. There are shadows of all four horsemen that can already be seen galloping through the world today. I not only want to look at these four symbols of events yet to come, but also want to put an ear to the ground to detect the hoofbeats growing louder day by day. John says in 1 John, that is he was, as he was talking about the Antichrist, he said he's not talking just about the Antichrist, but that there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world working around us today. Would you agree with that? There's things in the world working around us that are not godly things, Right? There are forces, there are, there are ebbs and flows around us. Who would have thought that we should have had to have have overturned a ruling, a law to say that you should not be able to abort babies? We shouldn't, we, sh- we, we have to pass a law to say we shouldn't do that? Where have we fallen off the cliff? The things that have gone on around us, that is a very anti-christ we see anti-god in all of that it, if you ask me the rumblings of hoofbeats and the sounds are not just distant sounds anymore they're more like thunder i don't think you hardly need to put your ear to the ground anymore to see the wickedness and the evil that's going on around us if you just think about our world. Think about what's changed in the last 30 years. I'm, that would have put me in my mid 20s. And you think about how things have gone downhill. What you know, the computer age is great. It's revolutionized some things. And I'm not an old stick in the mud that says the computer is no good. But look at how that has, in part, destroyed our culture. The things that are that are instantly available. The the things that that's created this instant gratification in our life. I'm not trying to throw McDonald's under the bus because I go to McDonald's on occasion but this instant gratification we have to have it we have to have it and if we can have it in food and we can have it in our in our computers we can have all this information at hand and, and the things that we can do and the things that we can see and the things that can go on it, 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 there is certainly an evil side to it would you agree this is interactive okay just want to be clear again Look at the wars that have taken place. Two Gulf Wars. Uh, we have is, uh, militant Islamic violence. We have, we have shootings in schools. There is, you, you cannot deny the wickedness. And here's the deal. I, I shared this with a couple of people. It's like you wind up a spring and how do you ever unwind it? How do you unwind the violence? How do you unwind? We, we have to come to a point where we say, we are sick of this. We're not going to do it anymore. I've seen enough wickedness. Have we seen enough wickedness in the world around us? Six of you have. (laughs) Have we seen enough wickedness in the world around us? Who's going to do something about it? If it's not us, it's not happening. Right? We're not the only church in town. But if it's not the church of Jesus Christ, it's not happening happening i heard i'm just going to do it okay i heard our president and our vice president both the other day say that they could see absolutely nothing wrong with having their religion and abortion you're wrong i don't care whether you can see it or not you're wrong some people have said, well, you know, it's a woman's right to choose. There are options. There are options. Don't have sex, do you want a baby? How's that? <gasps> well, that's not fair. I don't know. Read the rest of the Ten Commandments. See what you think of those. Sorry. There's there. Look, folks, we've just gone into, Cheryl brought it up, this self-gratification, and, and, and it's all about us, and it's all about us. We are seeing literally in front of our eyes prophecies that were predicted thousands of years ago and we're seeing them unfold. And the world is asleep to it. And quite honestly, the church is largely asleep to what's going on around us. Much of the church. Paul, Jesus told his disciples that he would come back like a thief in the night. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, you and I are children of light. We belong to the day. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep that we might live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Don't be asleep about the days and the times that are around us. You cannot any longer walk through this world and go, you know, when retirement comes in 20 years, I'm just going to buy me a cabin and kick back on the lake. There might not be that stuff. Look around. Look around. Look at the way inflation is grabbing us. Look at the way the political climate is. Look at what's going on. Look at the wickedness in our world. Church, we need to be awake. We need to be awake. We need to be awake. We need to stop looking at just... I'm telling you, Revelations has messed me up. We are... Okay, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I'm going to do this. How many of you have ever been without power? This week. <laughs> Since 10 o'clock on Friday. And still. Do you know what happens when you don't have power in your house? What's the first thing that happens when you walk into the bathroom? You turn on the light switch, right? Do the lights come on? Nope. Then after you're done doing what you're supposed to do in the bathroom, you go and flush the toilet. What happens? Nothing. It all just sits there until you go and get a bucket and do the So you go to the refrigerator at nine o'clock at night and you expect to open it up and see warm food because there's no light Then the milk is spoiled. When there's no power, no, you're going to think I've gone crazy. When there's no power, I, you know what I did? I, I woke up, my alarm went off this morning on my phone, on my cell phone, because that had power, because I came here last night and charged my phone, because we have power. Um, my phone went off, and I turned and looked at my alarm clock, which isn't even flashing zero, zero, zero. It's just black, and I've known this for two days but my alarm clock is dead and what do I do? I look right for my alarm? And it doesn't respond the way that it's supposed to respond. Get hold of this. Get hold of this. I want you to hold of this. As we have a lost and dying world that's looking for a church to respond in one way and we don't have the power. We're not even awake to know what we should be looking at. We're still asleep. We keep hitting this church. We keep hitting the snooze button. I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to go back to sleep. And the reality is we have not begun to even tap into the power of who God is in our life. We're so, I, don't, I want you to understand this. Don't, don't think I'm jumping off a cliff here because I'm not. We, we don't even have the power or the understanding of hope for somebody. We don't have the power of peace for somebody. We don't just have basic joy to share with somebody in our life. I went to the store. Oh, no, I I called a guy the other day about a project he was supposed to do for me, and he was going to get back to me, and blah, 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 blah. And I haven't heard from him, and so I I called him up, and I said, Hey, you know, this is Tim Rice. We we talked. We're going to do this project. And he's like, Yeah, he said, I quit taking any jobs until I figure out what's going on. I'm like, Well, what's going on? And so I've got to finish the few jobs I've got. I just found out I've got stage four kidney cancer. Two choices. Oh, boy, I'm really sorry. I'll call somebody else. Do you have any recommendations? Or say, hey, man, can I pray for you? Can I pray? That God, I believe God heals. I believe God will touch you. I believe he'll give you peace through all this. And the guy on the other end of the phone is like, yeah, please, please. There's a, there's a power that we have when we hear the hoof beats. There's a power that we have to stand up and say, you know what, we're just gonna do the simple things and do God right. We're just gonna do what we're supposed to do. We are children of light. And when you hit that switch on the wall, when you hit that switch in your heart, when you hit that switch in your spirit, there's power there for us to reach out and touch people. Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 1. I watched the Lamb open the first of the seven seals, and then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come, these were the four creatures that were circling the throne of God. We, last week we talked about them. We said they're, they're angels, they're, they're, but they have some level of authority because they're right next to the throne of God. And not only do they have that kind of authority, but they, they told John, come here. I want to show you something. He, the Lamb's going to open the scrolls. And we talked about the scrolls actually last week being possibly being the, the, the deed and the title to earth because Adam gave it away. And so these angels call for John to come. And and in verse 2, he says, I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. He was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. We're going to talk about these in just a minute. When the lamb uh, opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and another horse came out, a fiery red one. His rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When a lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there before me was a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Scales referring to justice. And then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the living creature say, come, and I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades, not Hades, Hades was following close behind him. And they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by wild beasts of the earth. Here we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. apocalypse. And again, we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at these uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna be unpacking this. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony of They had maintained. They called out in a voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you will judge the inhabitants of earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe. That white robe signifies righteousness. And they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I, we're just going to touch on a little bit of these, and we'll come back to them later. But I believe these people under the altar were the people who were killed during the days of the Great Tribulation. They were martyrs of the Great Tribulation. And they're, they're saying, when, he, when is this going to... You can only imagine the, the, the Jews during the Holocaust. When is this going to stop? They're calling out to God. When is this going to stop? When is this going to stop? And here we see the Spirit saying, this is, it's going to go on for just a little bit longer. I watched as he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole, and the whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. Verse 14 has totally unraveled my last month. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The kings of the earth and the princes and the generals and the rich and the mighty and everyone else, both slave and free, hidden caves among the rocks and in the mountains. And they called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can withstand it? This is the outpouring of God's wrath upon the people who are not followers or people who have followed the Antichrist. It's an outpouring of God's wrath. These verses begin the heart of, or the core of Revelation. Over the next several chapters, we'll look at 21 judgments that are going to be unleashed on the world. Seven, in, in the seven-year period known as the Great uh, Tribulation. In Revelation, we have three distinct future judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Each of them in this series of judgments, each of them has a series of judgments in it. And I believe they describe uh, seven events that take place during the seven-year tribulation. Still awake? Still there? You might say, well, Pastor, can we we get through Christianity without understanding or being a scholar of Revelation? Yep, you can. So, Pastor, why don't we do the, you know, nice, easy, fluffy sermon where everybody goes home and feels good? First of all, I'm not really good at that. And second, this is part of the whole counsel of God. And he says we're going to be blessed if we read it and if we understand it. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to attempt to read through it and to understand what God is doing here. And the other thing I thought of when I was writing this out was when was the last time God ever asked anybody to follow him so they could have a light and fluffy life? You might want to have a conversation with some of the prophets of old when you get to heaven if that's what you think this is supposed to be about. This is his word and we're supposed to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against him instead of hiding our head in the sand so we can have a fun Sunday. Okay, back to it. We talked about the seven sealed scroll last week. I believe these these first four seals that are broken are the first four judgments that are coming from the seal judgments, the seven seal judgments. So in the tribulation period, the breaking of the first seal begins with a, white, with a rider on a white horse. Now if you remember in the old westerns, the guy who rode on the white horse usually had the white hat and he was the one with the white heart, right? And he's going to be the good guy. And then the guy who came in on the black horse had the black hat and he had the black he was the bad guy in Revelations it just does not work that way in Revelation many people think that this white horse represents Jesus I do not believe that when we open up the four horsemen of the apocalypse I believe they correspond to the first four seals of judgment here and when the Lamb opens the first seal and the living creatures in heaven tell John come come and see," I believe that the first horseman that they actually are referring to is the Antichrist He is an imitator of the true Christ who is associated with another horseman in chapter 19. At the beginning of the uh, tribulation, the Antichrist will be given a crown. He'll be given authority. He'll wage war. That's what the bow is about. Conquering all those who oppose him. Again, if, you, if you, you get the picture, I believe what's going to take place. This is what the challenge for the church. Is I believe we're, we're coming to the end of the church age, and when that takes place, the church gets raptured out. And when that happens, it's the beginning of the tribulation, and the antichrist gets revealed. And there's supposed to be three and a half years of peace. And I always thought that's crazy. How are you going to have three and a half years of peace? Well, I'll tell you. If everybody here leaves, that leaves our neighbor with some food at Bear's house. He could probably get the keys from my car. And he's gonna have food over he's gonna have either find gold and silver. Not well not in my garage, maybe in somebody else's garage there's going to be all kinds of stuff that's available, and there's going to be a world leader that comes in and says, hey, we can make peace out of this. Look, if, you, if your name starts with R, you just go down your neighbor's rows, and anybody who's got an R, you go ahead and take their stuff. That's what belongs to you. Split it with the neighbors. You, everything's going to be great. Peace, peace. And he's going to speak peace accords with Israel. There's going to be all kinds of peace that's spoken for the first three and a half years. And then what's going to happen is he's going to rebuild the temple. In Jerusalem, he's actually going to put a figure of himself. This is down the road a little ways. We'll read about it later. Put a figure in there there and demand to be worshipped himself. And when that doesn't happen, all hell's going to break loose. He's going to go against everybody who raises their hand against him. Again, I know you might be saying, well, I'm not really sure about all this. Just humor me for the next 18 or 20 weeks. We'll see where we go. You want to get a picture? You see, I believe that that's the answer. You want to get a picture of Jesus in all this? Let me give you a picture of Jesus in all this, because Revelation 19, we know that that's Jesus. Revelation 19 and verse 11, this is what John saw. I saw in heaven standing uh, open, and there, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. That sounds like Jesus to me. With justice and uh with justice he judges and he wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one can know but himself he's dressed in a robe that's dipped in blood that's like whoa that kind of freaks me out no it doesn't it's the blood of the cross it's a righteousness he paid for our sins and his name was the word of god The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of of God Almighty. On his robe... Uh, and on his thigh is the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is Jesus coming back. So when Jesus comes to take the bride away during the rapture, that's a quiet thing. He meets us, we meet him in the air, We don't, like a thief in the night. Nobody's going to know what happened. What happened? Where'd everybody go? What happened? When he comes back as the second coming, we're not going to wonder what's happening. In the second coming, he's coming back on a war horse. We're going to know what's going on. we won't be here. We'll be following him. So we're gonna know what's going on. The Antichrist, I believe, this first picture that we see in, in Revelation 6 is the Antichrist coming to do battle with anybody who opposes him. As a matter of fact, Matthew 24 actually kind of gives us, Matthew or Jesus gives us this grand overview. And in Matthew 24, he says, uh, watch out for those who deceive you. For many will come in my name. Claiming, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Here's what I want you to understand. When we look at the word Antichrist, it not only means against Christ, that's Antichrist. It not only means against Christ, but it also can literally be translated instead of Christ. We're going to come back to these judgments because we're going to run out of time this morning. We're going to come back to these judgments in the upcoming weeks. But I want to tell you, I want to read this passage again out of Revelation 6 that has just messed with my head and it's messed with my heart. And I think it's critical for us to understand. And I I have my prayer for the last several days. Actually, for the last couple of weeks, I thought, first of all, I probably need to take a month off just to be able to focus on this passage of Scripture because it's just that deep. But I really felt like the Lord told me to share it this morning. Revelations chapter 6. I'll just read it. It's not on the screen. I watched as he opened the sixth seal and it was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky fell to earth as fig trees drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain an island was removed from its place. Do you remember when Jesus told the woman at the well? She said, you Jews, you worship at this place, and we Samaritans, we worship at that place. And Jesus' response to her was, there is a day coming when we will worship in spirit and in truth, right? Remember that? Here's what that speaks to me. I believe when Jesus said that part of what he's saying is it's not about this physical world. It's not about the fact that you're a Samaritan and I'm a Jew. How many of you know if that was the case, you couldn't have accepted Christ as your savior, you wouldn't be saved, right? Right? If it's just about where you're born, he said you're going to be we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. John here is saying when as soon as as soon as I was caught up in the spirit you see that spirit realm is more real than the physical realm right yeah. give you a minute to catch up You're like i'm not really sure the spirit realm is more when the when i'm when my body dies what's going to remain my spirit right what's going to go and be with jesus my spirit and then eventually i'm going to get a glorified body again i get to walk through walls <laughs> waiting for the day without pain some of you know those stories. The, the spiritual body, the spirit man is more real than the physical man and John was caught up in this spirit. He was caught up in the spirit. That's what he says. I was caught up in this realm. And Jesus, and so Jesus has been speaking to John in that spirit realm. I was immediately in the spirit. And, I saw, and so when John saw that, what he saw was what was real. Okay, hang on. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. I'd like to read it all, but we're not gonna read it all. He said, For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, that which is in part disappears. When I was a child... I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childhood things, I put childhood things behind me, for now we see a reflection in a mirror. King James says, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see him face to face. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as I am fully known. When John is in the spirit, he's living in that face to face realm. He's not looking through a glass dimly anymore. He's seeing into heaven. He's seeing exactly what the throne of God looks like. Right? Do we agree with that? Do we believe that? And so far, he has not talked about about any Fords in heaven. He hasn't talked about any Chevys in heaven. He hasn't talked about the nicest lake place in heaven. He hasn't talked about fishing muskie or walleye or bass or crops. He hasn't talked about any of that, right? I need you to follow me because this is really good. If you hang on, this is really good. He hasn't talked about any of that physical stuff. What he has seen is in the spirit. When Jesus was talking about baptism, he said that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. He's delineating the two. John is describing this spirit realm, not the flesh realm. And everything that he is describing in that description, he says at one point, it's all gonna get rolled up like a scroll. So much so that every mountain and every island will be moved from their very foundation. And you imagine? Just a minute. Imagine everything that we know in the physical realm being rolled up like a scroll. And we'll be able to see what's really going on in the spirit realm around us. We'll really see angels. We'll really see Jesus. We'll really see the glory of God. You're not going to see an angel maybe. I thought I saw an angel. I might have saw an angel. You're going to see 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 100,000 angels. You're going to see angels that got eyes all over their wings. Some of them have the head of an ox. Some of them had the head of an eagle. Some of them are, are got wings wrapped all over their body. We're going to see things that we have never seen even begun to imagine. It's gonna make Star Wars look silly because everything in that physical realm is gonna get rolled up for a while. Here's the part that's messed with my head. I've heard people say sometimes that you get so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good and I don't wanna be in that spot. My truck has been in the shop for a month. They're anticipating that my shop is going to be in the truck for another two months. You realize how amped up I get not having a truck? Gratefully, somebody loaned me their little car. Wonderful little car. It does I won't tell you how fast the speedometer says it'll go. <laughs> I just want to tell you, if you want to pass somebody, all you've got to do is get on her and let, just hang on, okay? Do you know what all that is? All that's a distraction. If it's not about Christ first, it's a distraction. If it's not about a relationship with him and with my brothers and sisters and the family, it's a distraction. A big old ugly motor home that you can't sell is nothing but a distraction that the devil wants to use to drag you away from God. The fishing tournament that you want, you want to go fish, go fish, I don't care you want to go bowling go bowling i don't care but remember the enemy wants to use all that stuff to distract us away from god and you might say i get that pastor and i would have to say no you don't not yet i have spent the last month every moment thinking about this pondering this what happens when god rolls up the skies? you know as i'm reading And I'm thinking, somebody said to me the other day, well, you know, there could be aliens on other planets and life on other planets that we, what's the purpose of the cosmos? What's the purpose of the heavens? To glorify God, God, the whole purpose of the the heavens is for God to reveal his majesty, right? Do we agree with that? So the word says, it's there to, he is an expansive God. There's no beginning and no end. He just keeps going on and on and on and he's being created. And re, There's stuff that's going on all the time and when he rolls that up, he's not worried about aliens. He's just doing it to show who he is. You all need to chew on this for about a month because here's the deal. When you leave today, If you're like me, you're going to have to fire up a chainsaw and cut a couple trees. You're going to have to try and get the power turned on. You're going to have to try and get this done. You're going to have to try and get lunch for the kids. You're going to have to try and get A done and B done and C done. And all of it has to happen because we still live in this world. We are in the world, but you are not of this world. If you're a follower of Christ, you are not of this world. Don't let that stuff distract you from what God's spirit would have you to do on a daily basis. Don't let that take away. Don't let that fight with you. Don't don't go there. Don't allow that. You wanna go for a four-wheeler ride? I don't care, go. I enjoy four-wheeler rides. I like going fast. I like all that stuff. I get it. But don't let it distract you from who God is. I'm not telling you to sell everything and go sit on a rock someplace at a high, high... mountain and chant all day long, that's not what I'm saying, but everything that we have is his, it's his, the Bible says he's the one who gives us the ability to gain wealth, it's his, it's not mine Jesus gave it all away, he could have called a legion of angels, instead he kept that rolled up heaven, that rolled up earth in front of him so that he continued to do what the Father would have him to do what is it that God's asking us to do, because one day We're going to stand before him completely bare, completely empty, without a suit, without a truck, without a house, without car keys or rental properties. I'm going to stand before him. And who am I on that day? What have I done when the heavens are rolled up? I hope that this will mess with you as bad as it's messed with me for the last month. Because everything, everything. I went to a twins game the other day and I had great seats and it was fine. The weather was good. Jared was having a great time. It was worth every penny of it. But if I don't see God in the middle of it, it's a distraction. If I'm not looking for how do I advance the kingdom in the middle of this, it's a distraction that mean you've got to go out and get weird? Shoot, you're already weird. Don't worry about that. Just let Jesus shine through your weirdness. All right? God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for the revelation of your word. Your word says all this stuff. Not only says it in Revelation, says it in Isaiah. It's all going to get rolled up like a scroll. Like a scroll. It's just going to get rolled up. And we're going to stand before you like John did. King of kings, we're going to see the throne, we're going to see the angels, we're going to see the worship, we're going to be part of that. Are we ready for it? Are we looking for that? How are we dispensers of your hope and your grace? How are we dispensers of the peace and the joy and the love that you've given us? How are we dispensers of Christ in us who is the hope of glory? When somebody comes and turns the light switch on, is there any power in the church yet to speak peace, to speak hope, to speak joy? God, would you give us that? Would you help us to be that? That's what we were created to be. We're created to be in your image. We're here to serve and to honor and to worship you, O oh God. Move, I pray you move in our hearts. Move us to be people who are thinking beyond this carnal earthly age. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day and let the spirit mess you up just a little bit this week.